Our gospel reading this morning is from the uh, fifth chapter of St. Matthew. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Before I get started this morning, I want to send a congregational sympathy to the family of Bud Graber, whose wife Nan Graber died yesterday morning. Nan uh, and Bud have been longtime members of this congregation. Um, I might be making a mistake in saying I believe they were married 69 years, but then dated seven years prior to that. So they knew each other for quite a good long time, I do believe. But uh, it, it appears as though Nan's funeral service will be perhaps next Friday, but, but we'll let you know a little bit later on. And also to a uh, family of, of Diane Everhart, and of course that includes so many others in this family whose grandson Hunter died um, the other day. Hunter has been on our prayer list for a good long time, two and a half years, 27 years old, died of cancer. So we, uh, we extend our sympathy to to Diane, her family, to all those who are affected by, by, his, by his loss. Let's pray. Lord God, as we gather together in your name, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight so that here in this place we might know you more clearly, see you more clearly, and follow you more dearly in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what do you think about Fourth of July? I love the Fourth of July holiday, I have to admit. I don't know why necessarily. I mean, it's one of my favorite holidays. It takes me back to my childhood when I loved the parades, picnics at the lake, fireworks over the lake. Kristen, I never miss the Fourth of July concert on the Capitol Mall on PBS. Thoroughly enjoy it. I love the marching bands, all the patriotic songs. I can totally geek out on Star Spangled Banner and listening to Kate Smith singing God Bless America and anything by John Philip Sousa. It's a good day, don't you think, to celebrate our land and to celebrate its freedoms. And it's significant, truly, significant that we honor the Fourth of July in worship. Now, I know. I know that some would disagree, especially after a week like we've had. A lot of folks today are, are bitter, they're angry, frustrated, which, which to me, however, is all the more reason why today we intentionally pause. We, we gather together to give thanks for what is good, to pledge to correct what is wrong, and pray that God will accompany us into the future. Throughout the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was desperately trying to keep the country united. Soon after the Battle of Antietam, which, as you might remember, was when Americans lost more lives than on any other single day in our history, someone asked the president, so whose side is God on, the North or the South? And Lincoln's response was classic, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My concern, my greater concern, is to be on God's side. 
President Lincoln, you might know, was begging us to embrace a posture of humility, remembering that the teachings of Jesus call us beyond our tribes, beyond our parties, beyond even our borders, to be partners in helping God bring healing to all of the world. I believe it starts with this word, remember. The most outstanding leaders throughout history have encouraged us to remember that from which we came. Uh, John Adams said, this day must be remembered as our day of deliverance, with shows, with games, sports, bells, bonfires, prayers from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward and forevermore. Even Irma Bombeck, who remembers Irma Bombeck, right? I mean, you're totally showing your age, right? Irma Bombeck even said this, hey, let's always remember our birth, but not with guns and tanks, instead with family picnics where kids throw frisbees, the potato salad gets iffy, and the flies die from happiness. (laughs) You may think that you have overeaten, but friends, that's just patriotism. Every society needs a day to remember, a day to collectively gather together and remember the stories that that make this day significant. Even Moses said to his people after escaping slavery in Egypt, remember, remember this day on which you came out of Egypt. Remember and never forget. So, today we remember. That's chiefly what we do. We remember the hopefulness of Washington, the brilliance of Jefferson, the courage of Frederick Douglass, the persistence of Susan B. Anthony. Remember the shoeless soldiers of Valley Forge, the blood-soaked fields of Gettysburg, those who died at Normandy, those who, who survived the fields of Vietnam. Remember the natives who long honored this land and the early settlers who struggled to survive it, immigrants who arrived with nothing, refugees who just needed another chance. Remember the pilgrim, the native, the slave, the settler, the explorer, remarkable women and men like Benjamin Franklin, Rosa Parks, Eli Whitney, Betsy Ross, MLK, FDR, Lincoln, Jackie Robinson, Henry Ford, John Muir, Walt Disney, Helen Keller, Maya Angelou, Steinbeck, Faulkner, Thoreau, Sandra Day, Edgar Allen, Ralph Waldo. Look, listen, just tell me this. If you're not sure there's something to celebrate in this country, then I'm not sure what history book you're reading because It's a remarkable land filled with remarkable people, and I'm forever grateful to be a part of this country. But please, when we remember, we are also called to remember our mistakes, and we've certainly had our share. The inhumanity of slavery, the treatment of the Native American. As we have learned, our systems have at times been corrupt, our leaders have at times been terribly immoral, but in this country there has always been a remnant of good people who are trying to be better, citizens who fight for what is right. Why? because they love this land. From amber waves of grain to purple mountains majesty, from the Grand Tetons to Mount Mitchell, the Outer Banks to the Shenandoah Valley, the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, the prairies to the Keys, the Piedmont to the, to the canyons. This is an amazing land. Our first reading today is from Deuteronomy chapter 10. It's quite a remarkable reading. It's not written specifically for the 4th of July, of course, but I think we draw from it some remarkable inspiration that is useful and instructive for you and for me, especially on days like today. 
Here's the setting, Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy, by the way, is fifth book of the Bible. It's, it's for the most part, a series of three sermons that Moses has prepared for the people of Israel as they're preparing to enter into the promised land. So when Moses, as you might remember, led the people of, Israel, of slavery out of slavery in Egypt, they found themselves in a desert, the wilderness, uh, where they would remain for 40 years, even though the promised land was pretty much just right around the corner, a land that God said was flowing with milk and honey, a remarkable land. There they would find freedom. There they would find abundance. It's a gift, first and foremost, a gift from God, and God promised to walk alongside them every single step of the way. But God also asked for their obedience, a lesson it took 40 years to learn but now they were ready to step into the promised land. Hallelujah. There was so much excitement, so much joy, so much anticipation. So Moses took the time to put things into perspective, and, and that, that's where our first reading um, takes up today from the 10th chapter of Deuteronomy. Moses says this, Before you is a great gift of God. So now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? to fear Him, and to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve Him with all your heart and with all of your soul, and to keep His commandments. And then these beautiful words, for the Lord your God is mighty and awesome, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the stranger, providing them food and clothing. Therefore, you shall also love the stranger, for don't forget that you once were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear Him, you shall serve Him, you shall hold Him fast, for He is your praise, He is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things that your own eyes have seen. It was a pep talk, really. I mean, it was sort of a valedictory address to a certain extent, and soon thereafter they would, indeed, they'd step right into the promised land. In a nutshell, here's what Moses is saying to them and to us. God has given you freedom opportunity, abundance, all gifts from God. Now, you are called to offer this in return. Number one, remember the goodness of God. Number two, love the stranger, remembering that you once were a stranger. Three, lead by serving. And four, begin each day in praise and thanksgiving. Remember, love, serve, and give thanks. Say that with me. Remember, love, serve, and give thanks. Social media nightly talk shows have led us to severely critique this country and one another, to demonize the other. It's a dark path, don't you think? I much prefer the path of Moses that calls us to remember the goodness of God, to love the stranger, to lead by serving, and to begin each and every day in praise and thanksgiving. Our freedom, after all, comes with great, great responsibility to keep working hard at becoming a more perfect union. Frederick Douglass was a reformer, an abolitionist, statesman, writer, the most influential African-American in the 19th century. Douglass began his, his life, however, as a slave in Maryland, but he escaped courageously, remarkably, at the age of 21, escaped to New York City. That's when he became eventually a leader of the abolitionist movement. He would speak around the country as one of our most famous orators. 
Well, on July 5th, 1852, now this is nine years before the Civil War would break out, Douglas offered his most enduring speech, and it's titled this, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July? In it, he demanded freedom and equal rights for slaves, saying that until there is freedom, this Fourth of July is yours, but it is not mine. Douglas ends by saying that freedom is never easy. It's a struggle, but, quote, if there is no struggle, there is no progress, for it's in the struggle that we dare to move forward. And it's moving forward, don't you think? It's moving forward that matters most, which is part of the DNA of this country, as it turns out, to move forward. Oliver Wendell Holmes, who would become a Supreme Court justice, wrote this, greatness is not where we stood or where we stand, but in what direction we are moving. We must sail sometimes with the wind and sometimes against it, but sail we must and not drift nor lie at anchor. As I said, when Moses offered this particular sermon, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, our first reading today, when Moses offered that sermon, the people of Israel, they were preparing to enter the promised land, remember? Their future, bright, filled with expectation, brimming with pride, all of that. But here's the irony. The story was an oral sort of story that the people of, of Israel passed down from generation to generation in oral form. But that story wasn't actually written down until 400 years later. Just after, now catch this, just after that same promised land had literally been destroyed, wiped out by a neighboring empire, the Assyrians. Suddenly, these Israelites, they now were homeless. They were desperate. They were afraid. They were asking, oh, what now? What do we do now? That's when the written form of this story of Moses first appeared, when the when the people of God, the people of Israel were defeated, they were penniless, they were terribly afraid. Half of them had, had been taken into slavery. What that means then, and I think this is remarkable, quite honestly, what that means is that this story of Moses motivated the people of Israel not only when they were filled with joy and expectation, but also when they were loaded with doubt and fear and defeat. Isn't that amazing? I mean, in, in our best but also in our worst days, Moses said, in our highs, but also in our lows, we are called to the same mantra, to remember, to love, to serve, and to give thanks. Six months after the Declaration of Independence was signed, the American colonies were in year two of a bitter, bitter war. It was Christmas Day, 1776, and things looked bleak. A series of defeats had driven the Americans to retreat from New York and New Jersey back across the Delaware River into Pennsylvania. I'm sure you remember this history. Their resources were slim. They were tired. Many of them were shoeless. They were desperate. Morale was low. It, low, it looked like all was lost. This was the end, not just for these men, but for the country. General Washington knew what, that time was of the essence, and against all conventional wisdom, he waged a gamble that would be the turning point of the war. That afternoon, Washington ordered all of his men to get as many boats as they could possibly find and get them ready to cross the river that night, the essentially frozen river that night. It was cold. The river was swollen with ice and just bitterness, so the crossing was terribly dangerous. But 
But Washington knew that they literally had no other choice. Crossing with him that night, however, would be some pretty remarkable folks later on in the history of America. There were two future presidents of the United States on board. There was a future chief justice of the Supreme Court, famous rivals Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. Remarkably, they and all of the 2,500 men made it to the other side, and they were uninjured, even, even though most were without shoes. When they arrived, Washington quickly marched his men south, attacked at Trenton, New Jersey, totally catching them all by surprise, probably because Washington knew that they'd be hung over from their Christmas celebrations the day before. It was a risk, but Washington's gamble paid off and proved to be the turning point in the war, maybe even the turning point in the history of freedom. The result, well, as news of that victory spread, it renewed the confidence of many patriots that indeed they could and they would defeat the British. But here's a part of the story that I love. As it's told, Major James Wilkinson and his troops were south of Trenton on Christmas Day. They likewise, like everybody, tired, depressed. They were just ready to give up. It had already been too long. But they caught wind of Washington's move, and so they too got an extra ounce of courage and began to make their way north. Wilkinson was having a hard time finding his way because of this, of a terrible snowstorm, but he later wrote in his journal these words, suddenly we found our way because the snow on the ground was tinged here and there with blood from the feet of Washington's men, those who wore broken shoes. Don't miss the point. He found his way because of patriot blood, because of the passion, the courage, the bravery of men, he did not even know. Men who fought for liberty and freedom for all, not just for a few, but for all. Without their courage, you and I would not be sitting here today or at the lake or at the beach or wherever we are today. We wouldn't be around. Without their sacrifice, the world, no doubt, would be a completely different place. Look, friends, we have much to be thankful for, but we also have much to work on. It's so very, very true. So let's pledge to do both. But let's do so with great humility. Let's do so likewise with great courage and determination but let's do so likewise with great love in our hearts for God and for the other. A determination to be our better selves for the sake of this country, for the sake of our neighbor, and for the sake of the world. Amen.